Um, <clears throat> we were meeting as a, a leadership support team uh, before the summer, and um, we were talking about the membership course, and a few people were doing the membership course. And someone on the team said, well, actually, it's a long time ago since we did the membership course, and, and we know it's been sort of tweaked and, and changed a, a little bit since we did it, so it might be good um, to uh, just tell the church again uh, what it means to be a member of Weymouth Family Church. And so I'm going to do that. And if time permits, uh, I'm just going to try and set a picture of uh, the term ahead for us as a church. Okay, a starting point, and it may be obvious uh, to say this, but anyone who wants to be a member of the church uh, needs to be a Christian. Um, and by this, we mean you've, been, you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you've repented of your sins. You've asked the Lord for forgiveness of your sins, and you've been born again by the Spirit of God. And, you know, we see those scriptures up there. That was what people were told. You know, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, and then Acts, when they said, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name uh, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Thanks. Um, and then, you know, and Jesus himself said, you know, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So there is this kind of um, sense in, in the world, you know, as if it's a bit of an odd thing to say, or, you know, born again Christians. But actually it was a phrase that Jesus used, and it's one that we would say, you have to be born again. So you, you have to have um, a born again experience of being a Christian and know that your sins are forgiven. Okay, for many, though not necessarily for all, this will mean you've had a conversion experience. And we know that there are people that have grown up in the church and from an early age, they've, they, they've, they've believed in Jesus and they can't pin down a time when specifically they asked Jesus into their life because it was kind of like they've always known Jesus. They've always been part of it. But, he, but for all of us, there has to be, as it says in, in Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So for everybody, whether you have grown up in the church or whether you came to faith at a later age, there has to be some sort of sense of understanding that you have been translated from one kingdom into another, that the Lord has done that for you. And one of the other things to be a member of the church is you will need to have been through believer's baptism. Infant baptism is not the same thing. If you haven't been baptized as a believer, you would need to be baptized to be a member of Weymouth Family Church. That doesn't mean say you've got to have been baptized by Weymouth Family Church. You know, if you've been baptized in another church where you've been baptized in water as a believer, that's great, okay? There's nothing special about this baptistry here. Um, but you do have to have been baptized as a believer. Now, that might be all sorts of... I mean, our son was baptized at the age of 10. Um, so it's not adult baptism, but it is believer's baptism. Have I got a squeaky chair? Okay. Okay. It, 
<laughs> it might be squeaky when my weight gets on it. You never know. Thanks, Mike. Great. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, okay, so you need to have been baptized. You know, and as in Romans 6 said, we were buried, therefore buried with him through baptism. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There's that sense in baptism that we go down into the death of Christ and we get raised up into the life of Christ. There is that sense when we go through believer's baptism. Okay, as a church, we are an evangelical church. That means we believe in the good news about Jesus. We believe that he's God, that he's Lord, that he is Savior, that he is the only way to God. There is no other way. The scriptures tell us salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we may be saved. Jesus is the only way. And we believe not only in Jesus, but we believe in sharing the good news about Jesus. We believe as evangelical Christians that we share the good news about Jesus. Now, the word evangelical has got a bit of a bad press at the moment, particularly out in the States. Um, but I'd say it to us as, as, you know, as, as evangelicals on this side of the pond, at least, um, we come from a great heritage. We can be very proud of what God has done through evangelical believers. Um, Wilberforce, many others, you know, took out, uh, led us out, uh, you know, the country out of slavery and things like that, dealing with slavery, dealing with all sorts of injustices. We have a great heritage as evangelicals and we believe in the good news of Jesus. Okay. We're charismatic. That means that we like to see, we want to see the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us and see the gifts of the Holy Spirit being used amongst us. You know, many of us uh, speak in tongues. We use the gifts that we've been given. Many of us speak in tongues, not necessarily everybody. Some prophesy, some exercise in various degrees the many gifts that we've been given. We believe that God has poured out, Jesus has poured out his gifts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has gifted us and we are charismatic. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, and we want to see them being used amongst us. We're Bible believing. We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. That it's the authoritative revelation from God. It carries authority. It's to be believed. It's to be taken in and, and, uh, and, and obeyed. Certainly, you know, in the context of the New Testament, we believe that it is there for us to guide us in our lives. Okay, so that's why it's given. It's given by God to help us live our lives in ways that please him. So putting these three things together, we are a word, spirit, and mission church. For many years, actually, we were part of a movement that talked about being a word and spirit church. I've added to that, we want to be a mission church as well. We want to be those that honor the unchanging and authoritative word of God in the Bible. We seek to be open to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we seek to be those who go 
Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, verse 19. We want to be those who go. We want to share in the mission, the commission of God, the Great Commission. Now, you know, it's possible to be one and not the other. I would suggest that the church that used to meet here was very strong in the word. The church that, that met here for many years, they were very strong in the word. They were very faithful. They preached the word and, and they saw results. But I, I think it would not be unfair to say they were resistant to the move of the Holy Spirit at work, certainly in ways, in the charismatic ways that we believe the Holy Spirit is at work. And it's possible to, for churches to be very charismatic and see what the Holy Spirit is doing, but neglect the authoritative teaching of the Bible. That's possible. And it's possible to be strong in the Word and strong in the Spirit, and yet still stay within the four walls of confines of our church building or in the four walls confines of our home. We want to be those that are strong in the Word We preach the word. We believe it to be true. We want to be those that are filled with the Holy Spirit and see the Holy Spirit work amongst us when we gather. And we want to be those who go with that good news and make disciples. So we want to be a church that is word, spirit, and mission. We're grace-filled. We're a grace-filled church. We're a grace movement church we believe in the grace of god we don't place value on our permanent on our own personal performance but on the performance of jesus okay ephesians 2 verse 8 says it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is the gift of god we we do not we do not value legalism We value grace. We say that God has saved us. Jesus has saved us by his death on the cross. It's not on account of whatever I've done. I cannot, you cannot add anything to your salvation or take anything away from your salvation by what you do or what you don't do. That's a strong statement, but I believe it's true. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. It's the grace of God at work in us. Now, clearly, when we know God, it begins to impact our lives, and we start to bring our lives in line with the things of Scripture. But that does not add anything to our salvation. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And whatever we do, we always want to be measuring against, making sure we are not preaching law. We are not saying, you've got to do this, do this, do this, do this to be acceptable to God. We're saying you are acceptable to God. God has made you acceptable. Jesus has made you acceptable to the Father through Christ. You are acceptable. You're as acceptable as you're ever going to be. We're a grace-filled church. We believe in grace. Okay. Now just to say a little bit then about our order and governance. Because these are our distinctives. Some of these are our distinctives as a church. And we believe that the church is led by elders. And elders 
are men. We see that in scripture. Elders are men, recognized and appointed by God and appointed and recognized by the church to lead the church. So when I became an elder, you as a church, those of you who are here, had an opportunity to say, actually, yeah, we, we see that in Mick, God has placed something. Okay, if, if, you, if you had strongly felt, no, no, we, we don't feel that's right, then I would not have been made an elder. There is a sense that the church recognizes what God is doing in lives. People's, people's function is recognized before it's formalized, if you like. We're doing it before we get appointed to it, almost. So we believe in... Now, obviously, we have a bit of an anomaly as a church at the moment, because since Steve has stepped down, I am an elder on my own at the moment. We don't have a plurality of elders, and that's not a good situation. Uh, it's not a long-term situation, but it's where we're at at the moment. And we recognize that, and we're building a team around us. So we've got a leadership support team. So uh, Teresa's on that team. Elaine is on that team. Uh, Andrew, Rachel are on that team. And Dave and Karen are on that team. They're a team of people that gather around me and support me uh, so that I'm not an isolated elder because we don't think that's, that's right. Uh, and that's not what we want. Okay? But we believe in eldership. But deacons and other leaders are male and female. So there's worship leaders, connect group leaders, trustees, youth group leaders. Um, it's not that as a church, women do not have a role and they're not seen. They're very visible. They have a role to play in leadership. But we do hold as a church to a, a line that says eldership is male. Um, and of course, in, in scripture, we see elders, we see deacons, but we also see the priesthood of believers. We are all priests to our God. We all share in that priestly role of being, uh, if you like, a, a representation of Jesus to people around us. We share as a body, a priest, a priestliness, a priesthood. So everybody can hear from God. Everybody can share what God is bringing. Everybody can have a sense of what God is saying to us because we're all priests. Okay. Being a member of the church shows that this is the church that you are committed to and that the elders are the leaders that you are submitted to. Because in, in Hebrews, it talks about submit to your leaders. But the converse of that is the church family know that you expect them to be committed to you. And the elders, you expect the elders to know that they are accountable to God for your care. Which is um, a serious matter. It's a serious matter that, that I, as an elder... I stand before God to give an account of how you have been led and cared for. Um, so this is, this is what it means to be a member. You're committed. And it's committed 
not ju- you know, so it's not a case of, well, I think I might go to this church this week. Maybe next week I'll go to that one. Or this week I'll go to church, but maybe next week, hmm, I, it's sunny, I might go to the beach. Um, yeah, you know, there'll be times when you do go to the beach, but there's a sense of being committed to gathering together as the people of God. Don't neglect to, to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, is what the scriptures tell us. So there's a sense of being committed. Being a member. And being a member means that you play your part in sharing the good news. It's, there's, a, there's a doing and there's a being. We do what we can to help and support people to show them God's love. Not by doing that do we, do we earn any favors, any brownie points with God. We're saved by grace. But God, because God is at work in us, we do what we can. We do everything we can to bless people and support them. And we want to be happy, joyful people, fun to be with, not miserable and religious. You know, when, when people say, oh, you're happy, clappy, well, I think it's better than being miserable and silent. Um, we want to be happy, joyful people that are fun to be with. Let's hope we're fun to be with, uh, not sort of religious and miserable. So being a, a member of Weymouth Family Church means you'll play your part in sharing the good news, but also being good news. You are good news. Just by being with you is good news. Okay, And it's good news to the church, to one another, but it's also good news to the lost. And also in that, we want to be devoted to the Lord in worship. And obedience. So good news to one another, good news to the lost, devoted to God. And as Andrew's already mentioned this morning, our desire is summed up in, if you like, our strap line, uh, our, if you like, our mission statement, that we want to be those who are proclaiming Jesus, loving people, transforming community. That's what we want to be. That's our desire. And that's a snapshot, if you like, of, of who we are. I've just whizzed through pretty much what is the, some of the things that we cover in the membership course. Okay, And these are some of the distinctives and identity characteristics of us as Weymouth Family Church. Now, some of those characteristics would be common to any other churches. But some of them, of course, will reflect the distinctives of of us, of New Frontiers, of Commission, okay? Um, and they may not be shared by other groups, and that's fine. We're not saying they're wrong. We're not saying we're right. We're just saying this is who we are. This is who we are. This is how we do things. This is how the family that we are part of does things, okay? There's no value judgment on that and saying somebody else is doing it wrong, but this is who we are as a family. I'd like to come back to the statement that we are a church that wants to be strong in the words, in the spirit, and in mission. And I think this reflects the threefold purpose of the church. Now, in a sense, what a, what a stupid statement to say a threefold purpose. You know, we've got a whole, we've got 66 books in the Bible telling us what God wants. And I'm trying to sum it up in, in three sentences. 
you know, um, I, I realize in a sense there's the stupidity of trying to summarize a whole Bible in three sentences. Okay? So bear that in mind. But I do think that if we try to just boil down what it is we, we, we want to be, we want to be those who love God. We want to be those who love each other. And we want to be those who love the lost. Threefold purpose. And, you know, there it is up there. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34, 35. It's up there on a poster on the wall. That's, that, in a sense, is that love each other. Of course, over here, go make disciples of all nations. That's loving the lost. Okay? We haven't got a poster up at the moment that's saying love God, but we do that when we worship God at the beginning. That's, that's part of what we do. We gather and we worship God because we love God. So we're loving God, we love each other, and we love the lost. Now, this is, uh, it's not very big, is it? Uh, actually, it might be a bit better on that. Okay, this, I, I, need to get, I need Andrew or Zach or somebody to give me a better freebie version of, um, of, a, of a spider diagram. But anyway, here we are. Weymouth Family Church is uh, there in the middle. Okay. Um, there is a, I um, hmm, thought there was a thing on that for, Pointing. Anyway, we're in the middle, Weymouth Family Church. And you can see the three things up above, loving God. Out to the right, loving each other. Out to the left, loving the lost. There are our three um, purposes, if you like. And and I've and I've matched those with the three things. Loving God, that's spirit. Okay, we want to be a church that's strong in spirit in the spirit. And Loving God is a spirit activity, isn't it? And you can't, I know you can't necessarily define it totally in that, and there's overlap in all these sorts of things. But loving God is a spirit activity. Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, those who worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. Loving God means we worship God, and we worship him in spirit. We abide in God. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. We want to be those that abide. In God, that just ray, uh, rest and remain in Jesus, spending time with Jesus, not in a legalistic way. Doesn't have to be, oh, have you done 15 minutes with God today? No, no. We want to be those that just abide. We take time to abide in God, just rest in His presence, be with Him. Yes, it might mean what we read some scripture as well, it might mean that we pray. And obviously, prayer and prophecy, they will be. Spirit activities. We want to be those that, that pray and seek God. So that's, if you like, part of our loving God. That's part of our spirit, being strong in the spirit. And then over to the right, we want to be those that love each other. And I'm putting that down, if you like, as a word activity. Because when we gather, we do all the one another activities that we read in Scripture. You know, loving one another, encourage one another, sing, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. All the one another activities that you see in the scriptures as the, as the body of Christ, the ways that we support and encourage one another. And we do that as we, as we see it in the scripture together. And of course, we grow in the knowledge of God. 
That's, a, that, that's when we read the scriptures. When we come and we read the word, we grow in the knowledge of God because God has revealed himself primarily in the scriptures. He does reveal himself by his spirit as well. In fact, actually, the, 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 the scriptures don't make sense unless God reveals himself by his spirit. It's gobbledygook. I mean, most people out there would read the Bible and wouldn't make sense of it. It's only when the Holy Spirit comes and takes hold of it and opens your eyes that you begin to see what it's all about anyway. So, you know, as I say, there is, there is an overlap in all of these things. But you get what I'm saying. That there's, there's a, we love one another, and that's a word activity. And we meet in homes and in Bethany Hall and in all sorts of other places, coffee bars, pubs, everywhere. We meet in all sorts of places as the people of God. And we encourage one another. And then over here, we love the lost. And that's a mission activity. That's mission. We love the lost. We want to be a church that's strong in the spirit, strong in the word, strong in mission. Mission. We preach or we share the word. Not all of us are going to preach. But we can all share. We can all share what God has done. We can all share our story. Share the story of Jesus. We can make disciples. We're told to. Not an optional extra. That's what Jesus said. Go make disciples. That's what he told us. That's what we do. And we remember the poor. When, when Paul was talking to the apostles in Jerusalem and he wanted to just check out that what he was doing was right, they said, you know, the only thing we'd remind you of, but you're doing it already, is that you should remember the poor. And that was what he was doing. And it's an important part of the gospel. We remember the poor. Okay? So, so there's three things that become nine things, if you like. And that's just a bit of a sort of a pictorial summary of, of our purpose as a church. Loving God. Loving one another. Loving the lost. Okay, that's, that's who we are. Okay. Okay. Right. You know, and in the same way, we have connect groups. And the connect groups mirror our purpose. When we gather in connect groups, we connect with God. We connect with one another, and we connect with the lost. Now, we may not do that every week. It may be in any one particular week when we gather. Maybe there'll be more of a focus on connecting with one another. Maybe on another time, there'll be more of a focus on connecting with God. Maybe in some of our gatherings, there'll be a focus on connecting with the lost. Maybe it'll be a social that, that people get invited to. But over the course of a term, we should see time given to focus on all of these three connections. And that's what I'm hoping we will see over the course of the next term that we will see in our connect groups. All of these things taking place, we'll see time that is connecting with God as a, as a company of people in our small gathering in a home. We'll see time connecting with one another and we'll see time connecting with the lost, because that's our purpose. Loving God, loving one another, loving the lost. Okay. You know, over this coming new term, next week, I'm kicking off a new series 
And it's basically how to disciple new believers. How to, how to hopefully lead people to Christ, and then having led them to Christ, how to disciple them. Now, before you think to yourself, well, that's not my job, that's Mick's job. Yeah? Um, you know, let me say very clearly, my job and the job of leadership is to equip the saints. That's you and me, is to equip the saints for works of service. So my job is to equip you and me so that we can do these things. So that it's, it's not, you know, there's been an old-fashioned model, I think, and I think it would be true of many churches that people think, right, all I've got to do is get them into the church doors and then it's down to the preacher to get them into the kingdom. You know, I'll get them here, you preach to them. I'll get them here, you disciple them. And what I'm saying is, actually, no, it's all of us that make disciples and it's all of us that disciple people. Now, my job is to make sure that you're confident and you know what to do. All right? So that's what we're going to be doing over the course of the next few weeks. We're going to be teaching, bringing some basic teaching um, that will help you to know how to lead people to Christ. And then once you've done that, what do you do with them? How do you disciple them? How do you give them some basic Christian teaching that's going to help them to grow? So that's what I'm going to be doing, and others will be doing it also. If you don't know what to say to people who are not Christians, I would say use the three, th three circles. If you don't know what the three circles method is, I'll tell you next week. Okay? You'll hear next week with three circles. Many of you already know the three circles, but I'd say it's a good, it's a good way of telling people about Jesus. Um, so the whole point is that you are ready and equipped when growth happens. When growth comes, and we believe in growth is coming, when it comes, we want to be a people that are ready and prepared and know what to do. Not sort of, oh, oh, there's people, what are we going to do? No, we know what to do. We've worked it out. We've prepared ourselves. So get ready for growth. Get ready for growth. You know, um, I've, I've brought it before, but there was a prophecy by Ginny Bergen who has a good track record of bringing things that, that you think actually God was in this. And she brought a prophecy. I've brought it to you before. In 2011, she brought a prophecy. And it talked about unprecedented things happening in our politics and in, our, and in the heavens over us. Okay? Would anybody like to say that what is happening in our politics is not unprecedented? It's, and, and in fact, I, I lose track of the number of times in the news report where the news reporter says, this is unprecedented. They keep saying it. It's unprecedented. Okay, there are unprecedented things happening in our government. Did he?
Right. I mean, just for the for the tape, those who can't hear that, but but uh, Bob was just saying William Booth said 200 years ago there would come a time where there would be disorganisation and chaos in government. Um, you know, and was was prophesying that 200 years ago. Well, Ginny Bergen was prophesying it in 2011. Unprecedented things. And of course, you know, we see. What do we see with our weather? What do we see? You know, amazing, blistering heat waves. Um, amazing, damaging storms. Unprecedented things happening in the skies. That was what she was saying. And, and all of this pointed to, all of this pointed to the time was coming. It is time for this nation to seek the Lord. It is time for this nation to seek the Lord. It is going to happen. It is happening. Guy Miller, on the last night of West Point, spoke about a coming revival. So we listen to the prophetic stirrings of the Spirit here. Okay? A coming revival. But that revival was not for out there. The revival was for in here. The revival was to change our hearts as believers and put a fire in us that made us, that compelled us, that gave us every desire to go out and tell people about Jesus. That was the revival. The revival was in us, getting us, to go and tell people about Jesus. That was the revival. And it's coming. Telling people about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about telling people about Jesus. How do you grow a church? You tell people about Jesus. Simple. Simple as. No other, no other way of doing it. People have got to hear about Jesus. You know, there is a statistic that always impacts me. Here's a statistic. A hundred percent of the people who are not told the gospel don't respond to it. I'll say it again. A hundred percent of the people who are not told the gospel do not respond to it. Okay? Simple as. We want to be those who are making disciples, telling people about Jesus. Guy in his talk used an acronym, BLESS, about just uh, about us being those that are telling people about Jesus. And he used the acronym BLESS. Excuse me for a moment. And the B was to begin in prayer. BLESS, in terms of seeing a revival, in terms of being those that are making disciples, BLESS, B, begin in prayer. Everything begins in prayer. L was to listen to people's stories. Listen to people. When you meet with people, listen to them. Hear what they're saying. Hear what's going on in their hearts. Hear what's going on in their lives. They are valuable. They're loved by God. Show them that they're loved by taking the time to listen to them. E was to rediscover eating together. That's a good one, isn't it? Eat together with people. Around a table. There is a, there is a dynamic when we eat with people. 
that we can um, just just make those connections. Pete Mockett, just up the road in the Baptist church, he, he leads the Baptist church. He said this, and I always remember it. I think it's a really, really good thing he said. He says, there are 21 meals in a week. If you think breakfast, lunch, evening meal, there's 21 meals in a week. Could you eat one of them with some non-Christians? Oh, great idea. Brilliant idea. Love it. How simple is that? There are 21 meals in a, in a week. Can you eat one of them with some non-Christians? What a good idea. Okay, so eating. B-L-E, eating. The first S was to serve people, to help meet their needs whenever you can. Serve people. And then the final S was stories. Tell your story. Tell the story of Jesus. Stories. Tell stories. Your story, the story of Jesus. So get prepared. Make practical preparation. Okay? Make practical preparation. So in Connect Groups, we can follow up on the 10 basic teachings uh, that we're going to be bringing to you about how you can disciple people. Okay, there's, there's 10 very simple things that we're going to be going through. And, be, and all the time be thinking, how could I communicate this to someone who didn't know Jesus in a way that's not religious, in a way that's not using language that they won't understand, as simple as possible, but we're going to be those that are prepared to be able to tell people. It says, and then, and then, it's, and then go and make disciples. Having prayed, go and tell. Having prayed first, begin with prayer, go and tell. Okay, nearly there. Finally, um, I was hoping to have had a new poster outside. The, the other one out there is out of date, as you may have realized. And we did have one uh, planned. Um, and, and it said, the, the, the poster that I've commissioned is called Come and Join the Family. Now, it was ready on Friday, but it was ready, far too, it was ready too late for me to go and collect. Um, I'm going to go and I'll collect it on Monday, so hopefully it'll be ready here for next week. But um, I, I've got an early, um, this was an early first draft. Okay, so this isn't the finished product. It's slightly different. Um, it's, got, it's, it's got some contact details on, uh, and we've tidied up the, the wordings and things. But basically, that's it. It says, come and be part of the family. And as it says, welcome to the family church, not just for families. Okay? Because we do suffer with, I think, a, a sense that people feel, oh, welcome with family church. Oh, well, that's for families. You know? Um, if you're a family, you can go there. But if you're not a family, well, that's not the church for you. No, no, no. We are a family. That was what Andrew was bringing earlier. We are a family. This is the family. And, and, uh, and you, you were saying it, Peter, as well, that this is the family. Weymouth Family Church is a family. So, you know, we can suffer from that misunderstanding that Weymouth Family Church is for families. But, but we're wanting to communicate that we together are a family, married, singles, young, old, everyone. We are a family. So, you know, in a world where we're told that there are many lonely people, many isolated people, many depressed people, even sometimes we're told to the point of suicide, you know, we have a family, a loving family, a caring family to bring people into. We have a father in heaven who is father to all. We have a brother in Christ who is brother to all. 
And we have a community of friends who want to be friends to all, so that there should be no loneliness, no isolation, but people should come and feel part of us and feel loved and accepted. So let's have this in mind in this term ahead as we look at how can we win the lost? How can we be prepared to make disciples of the lost? We want to be bringing people into a loving family. So I'm just going to finish. Come and join the family. Come and join the family. As it says up there, come and join the family. Come and be part of it. That's who we are. And that's where we're going over the next few weeks and months ahead. That's the direction we're heading in, being prepared for when God moves and we're believing that he will. Let's pray. Father, we believe that you are a God who is at work. We hear the prophetic stirrings. Lord, we hear the voice of the Spirit that says, I am at work. I'm doing an unseen work. We hear the voice of the Spirit that says it is time for this nation to seek the Lord. And we want to be those, Lord, who are going with the gospel and with love. Serving you and serving people with your gospel. And in other ways as well. We do soup run, we do all sorts of things. But primarily, Lord, we want to serve them by making sure that they've heard your gospel. Because it is life. It's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of Christ. That's what we want people to hear. May that happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, should we just...